0: This, this, this is an Intel Studios production.
1: Can I first say that this is brilliant? This is from Pret a Manger, and it's rhubarb lemonade. I Can discovered I try it last week. It? Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I'm always looking for new drinks because I'm bored of all the usual fizzy stuff. But this is great. Okay, Are you instantly made, looking at the calories? Well,
0: no, I'm not looking at calories okay. because I don't calorie count, but I am looking at whether it's got sugar in it. You
1: don't calorie count? No. You just sugar count? Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, fruit and vegetable juices from concentrate, lemon, rhubarb, carbonated water, lemon juice. I'm not saying any sugar, natural flavouring, colouring concentrate. Mm-hmm. No sugar. No sugar. Try it. God, I'd advertise that, but maybe if you put no sugar on... People won't want to drink it.
1: Yeah, because they think it would got saccharin in it and all that stuff. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Control
1: yourself, for goodness sake. What happened there? She spilt rhubarb lemonade all down her fluffy jumper.
0: God, I spilled it everywhere.
1: Nice, though, right? Look, it is nice. Uh, just Do trust I've me. I've got to be honest. Yeah? I'm... No.
0: I have tried through my life mm. so hard to enjoy rhubarb. Mm -hmm. everybody waffles on about rhubarb crumble. crumble. Mm -hmm. And my granny always used to make it for me. I mean, the only thing that really I liked about it was the 10 tons of brown sugar Sugar. that she put in it. (laughs) Um, Mm. I just don't massively like the taste of it. So I think for me, it's not really... But what I can appreciate is that it's got a lovely flavour to it. It's not too sweet, not and at it's all, not right? it's not bitter at all. It's you would think possibly tired. if it was lemonade and rhubarb, you'd be mm-hmm. like, "Oh."
1: Well, give it a whirl, anybody who's listening. Uh, I really, really like it. I'm, a, I'm delighted. I stumbled across it.
0: I want to tell you something. Yeah. So I watched Flowers.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. On my
0: recommendation. On your recommendation. Yep. And? Um, and I did like it. I found myself wondering
1: What, your brain just like drifting yes. off and things
0: like that? And okay. it, I found it slightly slow moving, but I did think that the acting was amazing. Mm-hmm. But I, d- I found it a bit dark. I, it, I didn't get the same from it as you did. When you got so emotional. Yeah. But I think it just tapped into something yeah. in you.
1: It totally did, yeah. Mm. I mean... One thing you did say about it uh, is that it didn't make you laugh. You didn't think it was funny or you didn't think it was a comedy. Yeah, I I found myself laughing quite a lot at
0: it. But we do Um, have quite a different mm, sense of humour. Things you find very funny.
1: And you are a wanderer. I mean, you described yourself as wandering. (laughs) Um, Like, I watch a film with you and you'll get up and make a cup of tea halfway through the film and stuff like that. No, but you know
0: why. You know why. I don't
1: really know why. I mean, that you like tea. But... I always think I'll have to pause it if you're going for a cup of tea. Like, you can't just leave the Have you ever
0: thought about what point in the movie do I get up to make a cup of tea?
1: Yeah, a bit that's tense, like (laughs) where there's some jeopardy. Like the bit you're supposed to concentrate on. I'm going to go make a cup of tea. What now? (laughs) Christ. Can
0: I just tell you something? Yeah. Poor Chester, because we watch quite a lot of films yeah. together. Chester and I. This is my son; he's thirteen. Chester gets really annoyed. You guys need to discuss this because it, yeah, yeah, it yeah. annoys the hell out of him. He goes right. I'm pausing it because he knows that I won't go if he pauses, because then I still have to endure the mm-hmm. tension when I come back.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's Part of why the joy I... of w- watching a piece of art, whether it be TV, or is sharing it with somebody who's as immersed in it as you are. So it's deeply frustrating for you to get up and go and make a cup of tea or start chatting about something that's not related to the film. I don't do that. Are you sure? Yeah,
0: I don't do that, but I do get up. Okay. I, d- I would never start chatting about something else unless I was on my phone okay. and saw something else. that, would, And that's just rude. You are on
1: your phone watching no, a movie?
0: No, I said that's rude. Oh, I wouldn't okay. do that. Okay. But um, I would... Say that I am so immersed. Like you saying that I'm not immersed, mm-hmm. and I get up and go into the kitchen could not be further from the truth. Okay. It's because you can appreciate that it is a movie. It's not really real. It's just a, for me, it's real. Mm-hmm. It's really happening. I, I haven't watched a horror movie since I was okay. thirteen. I can I it, movies are real. That's mm-hmm. why when something is not very well acted or clunky or not very well directed it really depresses me because it makes me see that movies aren't real
1: okay so you didn't watch season two of flowers presumably i did not you didn't so what are you going to give it
0: uh a six
1: a six out of ten okay i can take that
0: i mean i Um, I, I enjoyed it yeah i just didn't get the same out of it as you did
1: uh well good because i watched hobbs and Shaw, fast Um, and furious 27 or whatever i'm ready
0: for the sarcasm
1: um it's too long uh, it's, it's a children's film, but with swearing in it it's uh, to kind. try and... Uh, it's, not, it's too confusing at that point. It's like, is it a kid's film or is it for grown-ups? If you're going to put the F word in it, then it's not for kids anymore. But then all the action and the story and everything was very childlike. I had a real difficulty with it. The other thing that was really difficult is to try and see The Rock as a kind of romantic figure. Because he falls what? in love with Vanessa Kirby. No, There's nothing okay, romantic about take... The Rock.
0: Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Oh, my
1: God, no, there's nothing. Like, it's ludicrous.
0: What do you mean? He's an extremely romantic, caring giant.
1: No, a chance. Like, he's just a big, lumpy kind of guy. Like, he's lovely. I can see that he's really nice and everything, but there's no way I could picture him doing it with Vanessa Kirby. And that's the bit, that's the romance of it, is you can imagine them in this kind of romantic clinch every time they... He kind of did something like tender or or touching towards her. I thought, Do you know, that's oh, really God. interesting because it's so weird. I thought
0: it was really sweet.
1: It that's di- really well,
0: interesting that that was really jarring for you. That yeah. did not cross my mind once. I understand what you're saying about the kids' movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it was like I said, it was an enjoyable romp, and yeah. I watched it with a 13 year old who yeah. absolutely loved it.
1: Yeah, I can see and that. And I can see why. It
0: was something that we both sat down. He makes me watch a lot of films that mm-hmm. I absolutely hate, yeah, so to have one where we could both really enjoy it together mm. was great. I love the rock, yeah well, and I, you know on Instagram no
1: and all wrong. that stuff he, he's mm-hmm. lovely, and it was an enjoyable kind of film. I watched it with my thirteen year old son as well, and he liked it. My oldest boy disappeared halfway through. I think he got a bit predictable for him and a bit boring. The other thing about it is that I noticed Jason Statham had got a producer credit on it, and he'd largely. I think had some kind of Guy Ritchie influence over it. It felt there was chunks of the movie that felt a bit Guy Ritchie. Is that a bad thing? It's not a bad thing at all. No, I just Mm. felt that it, you know, it would be you'd be better off watching Rockstock Stock and Two Smoking Barrels or Snatch or something like that. They are yes. So I can only let my kids watch it through their fingers. Mm. Um, So anyway, I'm going to give it a five out of ten. It's (gasps) too long, two hours seventeen. I didn't believe that The Rock and Vanessa Kirby would get together at all so I didn't believe that and uh, the story was just kind of Rambo-esque ridiculous in the end I, I thought it could have been loads better having said that I mean I quite enjoyed it I love cars and motorbike chases and all of that stuff it was filmed really well the action was really good and blah 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 is that what you is that a W yeah have you made a W with your fingers
0: yeah
1: and what does that stand for exactly whatever okay whatever I
0: Having said that, I quite enjoyed about. it. You gave it a five.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's only worth a five. That's it. But I tell you what I did start watching last night was... Uncru- oh, hang on, I'm un- just trying to get over that. Okay, I just need absorb, it, absorb it, absorb um, it. i tell you the other thing that irritated me. No, no, me.
0: don't, because then it's going to take me longer to get over it.
1: Kevin Hart. They put Kevin Hart in it again. Yes, I, what is that all about? No, like, Why was, is he everywhere with Rob Johnson? And the other thing, which we, we could brush over, which is the Kevin Hart documentary on Netflix. Oh, yes. Which Kevin Hart is obviously in it because it's about him. He's produced it himself. And I can't believe that someone would make a documentary about themselves that shone such a poor light on themselves. I mean, I hated him after the documentary. I, For a comedian to make a documentary about himself, that there's not one funny thing in it, is a tragedy. What, what was he thinking? I've never known anyone come out so badly from anything. I'll never watch a Kevin Hart movie again.
0: What, with him in it? at all
1: I don't think so I mean how how is he a stand-up comedian he didn't even tell one joke in six episodes six
0: hours of TV nothing funny happened it's not just that It's that um, his misogyny and uh, the way he treated his wife was appalling. And what was quite funny was on, you told me a bit of the story Mm. about how it had developed, that the first episode was sort of okay and then it went into the second and third and it was, he came out so badly. And I'd watched, um, I think Joe Elvin, who I love, and Matt Johnson Mm -hmm. had both posted, oh, this Kevin Hart documentary is really amazing on... And I, I, I private messaged them both. And I went, just wait. <laughs> just yeah. you wait. Yeah, to get <laughs> three. It's like, God, I hate this guy.
1: I mean, he seems such a buffoon as well. There was a bit at the end, the final bit at the end, where he got all his team around him of guys and girls. And he said this weird thing where he says, you cannot buy loyalty. Like, loyalty comes from X, Y, and Z. And then he goes outside into the parking lot and he's bought all of them a car. A brand new car, a car of their dreams. <laughs> it was about, oh, well you can buy loyalty or you can't buy loyalty What do you? what's the message here like I bought them all the cars so they'll do what I tell them the whole thing was rubbish and every time I see him now I think oh god here he goes
0: isn't it terrible that he's actually done something that's put you off ever watching a Kevin Hart movie yeah again? I
1: think it should have put loads of people off watching it I thought it was a ridiculous idea well, it would
0: be interesting to see if anybody's seen it yes did it put you off watching a Kevin Hart movie ever again
1: uh, and anyone who saw it and liked it you've got to like let me know why
0: I want to start with a book and it's one of those books that should be on everybody's bedside table. Mm -hmm. It's short. I think it's got 200 pages. Um, It's written by a man called Viktor Frankl. Mm -hmm. He was a psychologist and a neurologist and it's the story of his experience in a Nazi concentration camp. Well, not just one, four. He was moved around um, over the years and he has the most obviously harrowing of time and the, the book actually ends up focusing on love and hope and responsibility and inner freedom. Mm. He is basically what we would call an existentialist and quite a few times through this book I really had to go and Go and look up a word because I was I'd heard the word existentialism. Mm. <laughs> I can't even say <laughs> yeah. it. Um, banded yeah. around quite a lot, but I wasn't really absolutely sure mm-hmm. um, what it meant. Existential therapy focuses. I'm going to read something because yeah, I've yeah, written course, it down, so I want to get it oh, right. Um, focuses on concepts that are universally applicable to human existence, and that includes death, freedom, responsibility, and the meaning of life. Logo therapy, which is the therapy that he came up with Mm. after his release from the concentration camps at the end of the war. Instead of seeing, and this is, I think, so apt for nowadays, instead of seeing experiences like anxiety, alienation and depression as implying the presence of mental illness, Mm. existential psychotherapy sees these experiences as natural stages in a normal process of human development and maturation? Maturation, maturation. maturation, maturation. So it makes complete sense Mm -hmm. that rather than us all focusing on these things as terrible things. Like, anxiety is so common in kids, especially around eight or nine. And um, once again, kids go through a very particularly difficult patch, often between sort of 14 and 16, 17. And we're freaking out and counsellors and Mm -hmm. antidepressants and all of this kind of stuff. But actually, it's been like that for centuries. It's hormones, Mm -hmm. it's life. And you know, obviously there are kids and adults that suffer from depression, and it is real, um, and I've talked about this before, but there is also things that happen to us at various times in our lives. I mean, my God, at menopause, you know, you can get these waves of things. Anyway, the fact is, is that he's written this book where he talks about his experiences. This is this is my copy here that okay. I'm holding.
1: Yeah, it's been thumbed quite look, considerably. Yeah, look yeah, yeah. how
0: many pages I've um, turned over Um yeah. It's interesting,
1: and... sorry, just going back to a couple of things you said about happiness and mental health mm. and stuff like that. I mean, I, I devised this kind of theory that I'm sure millions of other people have devised as well, is that it, it's funny that for some reason happiness seems to, this is that idea that happiness should trump all other feelings, mm. like all, all of the, all the others are less valuable, happiness is the most valuable mm. one.
0: Well, it's become and, that, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think that's largely one of the big problems, certainly when I see my own kids, that I think it should, if you've got five states of being, if you like, or five states of minds, all of them are equally important. So when I feel sad or angry or fearful, I value it just as much as I value happiness. Because I guess it should, you should value them equally. And therefore, they don't bring me down as much. Like when I feel sad, I think, well, I'm feeling it for a reason. I should probably let it wash over me for a while. And then somewhere down the line, I'll feel the happiness bit. And then I'll feel the angry bit, maybe. And then I'll feel the sad But All of them should be should be held equally valuable as a feeling rather than one as as the very top feeling and then all these other ones down at the bottom. Um,
0: I'm going to review this on a separate time, but you need to read The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday because he basically says exactly that. Yeah, well, he stole that from me, I'm sure. he totally did. Um, But he talks about, Viktor Frankl talks about the various stages that you go through Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, The first one was um, disgust. Uh, There was um, horror and pity are emotions that our spectator um, couldn't really feel anymore. But when you first go in, that kind of horror and disgust is the first thing that you think, oh, look at these surroundings. Mm -hmm. As it continues, there's a kind of surrender. And then there is a coping strategy that goes on where you try and hear or feel lessons or every situation that you are in, you try and turn it around and find ways of dealing with it so they get sent out to go and work mm-hmm. and they're terrible the, the conditions that they have to work in their feet are covered in mud they're absolutely freezing <laughs> yeah. cold they're in the darkness there's no pathways anywhere and he has to turn his mind to somewhere else because the reality is mm-hmm. too painful to bear and that is the thing that keeps him going to be able to to take his mind somewhere else and he starts thinking about his own wife and the really painful thing is that he realistically somewhere in himself he was separated from his wife yep. the first um, concentration camp he went into and his um, brother had died his mother had died they were killed in Auschwitz and in fact his wife had died at Belsen she didn't know um, he didn't, he didn't, know, didn't know for sure but okay. he, he, he'd heard rumours mm-hmm. I mean, and I think in his heart he knew mm-hmm. But he decided in his mind to keep her alive. Mm -hmm. And he has these ongoing um, conversations with her that when I read this section of the book, Mm -hmm. it literally brought tears to my eyes. His description of everything, because he's a a psychologist and a neurologist, he's got a way of speaking Mm -hmm. that is so clear. And it's not like being a victim or there's no self-pity in it. Mm -hmm. It is, this is... I mean, it is the worst of the worst. Yeah, You know, I, thought, I, I, I would say probably the worst thing I've ever been through in my entire life was the death of my sister. Yeah. And then secondly, the sport relief challenge. Yeah. And mentally, it took me to the darkest possible. That's nothing <laughs> in compared yeah. to what these prisoners went through. Mm. And it says a classic tribute to hope from the Holocaust,
1: mm. this
0: account of hope in the darkest darkest of times is the most uplifting and amazing read and it's so small and short yeah and there are paragraphs that you can pick out that will change your life
1: it is interesting that idea that i think they call it hyper normalization where where you you live in a state that is so terrible yet there's no alternative to it there's no possible reasonable alternative to it so you live in a hyper normalized state so you know that this is all wrong so you kind of make up a new reality i guess in your mm. in your mind to get you through whatever it is that you're suffering with mm. but um it's funny this book because you bought this independently of of us talking about it but it's been recommended to me several times through you know through watching various lecturers on youtube and things like that talk about it this was the one book that always comes up saying You know, if you want to understand a little bit more about the meaning of existence, then read Viktor Frankl.
0: It's a sign.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. So when you rang me one day and said, I've got this book, when you said what it was, I thought, oh, my God, you beat me to it. So it was on my list of things to read. And I'm very excited about it.
0: it. I feel like actually you need your own copy. Oh, yeah, no, I will. Because you need to be able to highlight and paragraph things. There's a great um, thing you said. There's no situation that does not contain within it the seed of a meaning, whether people are aware of it or not. Mm. But even though you might not be aware of it, every situation you're in mm-hmm. means something.
1: And why did that resonate with you, though, that, that saying? Because that's how you feel anyway. Was it reinforcing do, things I mean, you already I think thought? a lot of these why.
0: books that I read have bits that I believe in. Mm. But I always think that if you're going through something difficult, and sometimes even if you're not going through something difficult, but your, your line of sight is muddied mm-hmm. or somehow not clear... Um, I do have several books that I will turn to to pick up to give me some clarity. I'm really getting into Audible. Yes. In in, in an enormous way. I spend Mm. about two and a half hours a day in the car because doing school runs and everything. And reading, I can only get sort of 10 or 15 minutes in at the end of the day without completely crashing out. (laughs) So um, actually to be able to uh, absorb two hours of a book a day, and I love that kind of just quickly back 30 seconds Mm. because I hear something... And my my memory is like a sieve. I can't remember anything. Yeah. Just kind of the minute I hear something. But I want to, if I really want to remember something, I go back over it, three or four times. Yeah. Um,
1: Audible is brilliant, isn't it? I've only listened to about two or three audio books. One of them was this really good book n- narrated by the the author called Lessons I've <laughs> Learned. I think. Oh, yeah. Was
0: it good? It was
1: very very interesting. <laughs> yes, it was a very good. There was a very good line. Do you write in the book about that's why pencils have rubbers on yeah. on the end, which is also a line in Fleabag? Yeah. Did you? Everybody that? makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. My it's book came out before line. Fleabag. She I know nicked it, did. it from my book. You've been plagiarized <laughs> by uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge. My
0: God, she Quite, can have it. She a She can take thing. whatever she wants. No,
1: you want some money for that? <laughs> um, and the other one I listened to was Michael Caine's autobiography, as him reading it to me. And it's really weird because it is like you're sat having dinner with Michael Caine as he tells you his life story. I totally love Audible. Victor Frankl. How much is it? And can you just get it from Amazon and all of that stuff?
0: Um, I did get it from Amazon. It was seven ninety nine. It's a tiny book. It is really one of those ones that everybody should read.
1: It's such a, an I feel amazing. Like I want to
0: read you another sort of quote. Oh, yeah, or something, please not, do, Like though. anything that I've underlined, I'm trying to just. Um, those who know how close the connection is between the state of mind of a man his courage and hope, or lack of them, and the state of immunity of his body, will understand that the sudden loss of hope and courage can have a deadly effect. I bet. I mean, that was probably what would kill more people in those concentration camps, the loss of hope. The loss of hope, yeah. Um, He says here, he who has a why to live for Mm. can bear almost any how.
1: It's one of the great. I mean, that's potentially Um, the logos right there. That
0: is... That is basically the whole premise of this book.
1: I don't think we should r- give it a score. No. <laughs> it seems I mean. a bit disrespectful, does it's it?
0: It's, it is a must-read.
1: Yeah. Guess what I am going to review for you. What? Because I know you're fit, healthy, strong. You look after yourself. Yeah. I bought... Yeah? ...a deep fat fryer.
0: Oh, I know this. I was slightly horrified when you told me. Oh, my God. It's so good. I mean, I, I, I can I can I be honest? Yeah. I have never eaten anything out of a home deep fat fryer yet ever
1: yet. You're going to
0: I mean, occasionally mm-hmm. I will. Okay. But this cannot be a regular Can't habit. Be a thing.
1: Okay. So, I have a few things I could tell you a bit about deep uh, deep fry uh, fried deep fried <laughs> food. Uh, deep fried uh, food fish and chips uh, is originally an Italian dish and it was brought over to Scotland stop it yeah because I always thought it was a Scottish dish but it apparently it was brought to Scotland by, by the Italians in the 20th century now deep frying has got a really bad name for all sorts of different reasons because it's always considered extremely unhealthy but it's not entirely true judging by the research that I've done so do you know what happens when you drop food into some hot
0: oil it bubbles. I've always imagined that it would just, it's the hot oil that is the danger, that something happens to the oil. There's some chemical thing that happens to the oil when it's like bubbling away. Okay.
1: So it depends on what oil you use. So you need a, 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 an oil that can take very high temperatures. Yes. That's why, I like, extra virgin oil, olive oil is no good because it burns at a very low temperature. They call it the smoke point. So you need some oils that burn very high. So and what vegetable are they? oil and sunflower oil. Okay. All of that kind of stuff. Uh, the, the kind of oils you get in very big bottles in supermarkets, but that's not actually... That's the stuff that's not very good for you. Right. So one of the problems is this polyunsaturated fats, yes. which is high in uh, vegetable oil and sunflower oil because of the process they do to get the oil out. First of all, let me just tell you, when you drop something into very hot oil, what happens immediately is the surface of the food gets sealed because it gets cooked very, very quickly because it's hot. And therefore, the, the oil doesn't then seep into the food in the way that you think it would because it's sealed at that point. So the oil has penetrated the very top layer, let's say a millimetre of it, but the rest of the food inside the food um, is heated up by the steam of its own moisture.
0: So it's steamed.
1: So it's essentially kind of poached or steamed inside there. And that moisture obviously gets trapped inside because the thing's got been sealed by the hot oil, and that's why fried food is usually so juicy. Now, a lot of people think that's And
0: tempura, tempura yes. is a delicacy in Japan. They mm. love the tempura, don't they? And I always think the Japanese are sort of relatively clean, clean and healthy. eaters. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Well, one of the problems with, with deep fried food is that batter. The batter is the bad stuff because that absorbs a huge amount of the oil. So obviously, if you get, get a piece of fish and you dip it in batter and then put that in the deep-fat fryer. Essentially, it gets encased in the batter. The batter collects, obviously, all the oil but the fish essentially is poaching itself or steaming itself. So if you just ate the fish and not the batter, you'd essentially be eating fresh
0: cooked fish. As I've got older, I have sort of tried to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I I was younger, all I ate was the batter. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? (laughs) And as I've got older, Mm. I try and eat maybe a third of the batter and uh, eat the fish. But I actually try and not eat fried food at all, as much as I can.
1: But do you like the taste of fried food? Yes. It's so amazing. It's so
0: good. I mean of course I do. Mm. I love fat. Any Mm. fat. As you know, you know, I love butter, I love anything salami, Mm -hmm. anything that tastes fatty. I'm half French. It's like in my DNA.
1: Okay. Um, the calorie count on adding, um, adding to food once you've deep fried it is, is, uh, r- ranges depending on what kind of oil you use. So you can use things like peanut oil, sunflower oh, oil, you? vegetable oil. And they're oil. all right
0: at high temperatures. They're
1: very good at high temperatures, but they're not very good for you. They add more calories and more fat to, um, to your food. Do you know what the best oil is to deep fry with? No. Have a guess.
0: Um, a nut oil?
1: Uh, I don't know. Is it avocado or not?
0: Um, no, it's um, a fruit.
1: Okay. Well, avocado oil is one of the best you can deep fry. in. It's wow. got a very high smoke point, and it's got all the good fats in it, and not is it so much expensive. Of it. Yes. <laughs> ah. So the next Because avocados oil... are expensive. Right? Yeah, yeah. So avocado oil is expensive. So it's not very practical, I don't think, to deep fry with. But do you know what the best one is? No. Coconut oil.
0: Uh, Sounds weird, doesn't it? Yeah, because I've heard bad things about coconut.
1: Oh, well, I, I mean, I have some research here. Go on, uh, tell me. So I'll read this out to you. So coconut oil is the best overall choice. Studies have shown that even after eight hours of deep frying at 180 degrees, the quality doesn't deteriorate. One of the problems is if you reuse the oil over and over again, it starts to oxidise and deteriorate and then causes problems with the food. You can gather, It can gather more polyunsaturated fat at that point so it keeps fresher for longer for, for starts uh, over 90 percent of the fatty acids in coconut oil are saturated which makes it very resistant to heat saturated fats fat, hang on a sec used to be considered unhealthy but yeah. new studies show that they are a completely harmless source of energy for humans yeah so we can put a that link is so onto the weird. yes i know additionally coconut oil has numerous health benefits for example It can kill harmful bacteria and viruses and help you lose belly fat. And then in brackets, it said trusted source. So you might want to look this up, but we can put the link on the Entel app for this so you can have a little look where I got this from. Uh, Keep in mind that some varieties can leave a coconut flavour or a smell, so I recommend that you try a few different brands until you find one that is suitable. Coconut oil is very high in saturated fats and is proven to handle hours of continuous deep frying without any changes in quality. It also has uh, numerous health benefits, making it the best overall choice for deep frying food. Guess how much my deep fat fryer cost?
0: 20 quid. Yeah. <laughs> you told me. <laughs> I, really told you.
1: I couldn't believe it. But we were in Currys, and, and Joel's trying to buy a GoPro, a GoPro camera, you know, for his skateboarding and all the rest of it. And I thought, I'll just go and have a look at kitchen appliances. I'm at an age where I love the kitchen and domestic appliances in Curries. And there it was. There was some for like 20 quid, 30 quid, 100 quid. And I was like, 20 quid for a deep fat fryer. I haven't owned one for 25 years. And when I left home, I left home when I was about 17, and me and my mate, Matt Hoff, we cooked everything in a deep fat fryer. Even eggs. We dropped eggs oh, in Oh, God. And steaks, chops, pork.
0: But you didn't know the about the fat. I mean, do, how long do you keep fat in a deep fat fryer?
1: It, well, I, we lived together for three years, and we never changed the fat Ever. And it started to fill up, weirdly, because I think fat was coming out of the food. I mean, it was horrific. But once we, we went to macro, you know, like the, the wholesalers, and we bought, like, six kilos of prawn crackers, which, I don't know if you've seen a prawn cracker before it's cooked, but it's a tiny little plastic tile. And you chuck them in a deep fat fryer, and within two seconds, they turn into, a, like, a big quaver, you know. <laughs> we ate prawn crackers for about a year and a half, nonstop. <laughs> they were amazing. But I did read there was 35 calories per prawn pr- 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 cracker. What? Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. What? Yeah, I know.
0: I, I, mean, I eat see. an entire bowl of them oh, and yeah, I go. Oh,
1: brutal I, I, prawn crackers. <gasps> so, uh, yeah, the fat was, was pretty rancid in that, but I, I haven't had one since. So, when I got one, I thought, oh, this would be good. So, uh, I'm using vegetable oil at the moment. And after reading this article, I'm, I'm going to get rid of the vegetable oil and try some coconut, coconut oil. We are using it mainly to make uh, chips.
0: Deep fat fried chips do taste more chippy than an oven baked chip. Loads. Although I have to say, Mm. my home baked, Mm -hmm. like the ones that I make out of potatoes in the oven, are good. The chips. The ones, the home baked chips. Like if I make chips myself, so how do you make chips though? I've got a crinkle cutter. Yeah, yeah. Um, you do them into just little like home home fry style, and I keep the skins on the potatoes, a yeah, little mm-hmm. bit of olive oil, um, but you have to make sure that you keep turning them because mm. otherwise they stick and that's the But really essentially
1: annoying. you're still cooking them in oil, though, right?
0: Yes, but you're... Yes, and I, mean, I suppose my big thing is that I thought that when you dunk them in an entire vat of oil... Yes. ...that in some way it is carrying something. I mean, the batter is carrying something, mm. but in a chip it's not.
1: No, but you're, you're, you're still cooking the outside directly with the oil and ideally the inside is cooked from the moisture from the potato...
0: What I'm saying is the batter is, sorry, very quickly, it's better than eating something battered. Yes,
1: but you wouldn't batter chips, though, right.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job
0: on LinkedIn.com/people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices So, would, so a chip is better for you in a deep fat fryer than a battered something because the batter uh, yes. is the thing that holds all the fat. Absolutely,
1: But the other thing I kept searching for was the difference between shallow fried and deep fried. And essentially there is no difference in whether it's healthier or not for you because if you're shallow frying, you're shallow frying in oil and then you turn it. So the whole thing gets sealed by the oil in the same way it would be in, in a deep fried situation. Now someone could get in touch with us with some evidence to to, to contradict that but everywhere I looked I couldn't see anyone that could verify that shallow frying was hugely better or better for you than deep frying essentially it did the same thing to the food
0: Uh, do you remember the guy that went off and went to net McDonald's only for a month and um, Mm. he just ate fast food Mm -hmm. fried deep fried food Mm. and when you think about fast food outlets like um, any you know Kentucky Fried Chicken or any of those kind of big companies you know if you did that every single day Mm -hmm they do say that fried food is very bad for your liver. Yeah,
1: I can I can imagine it is.
0: For me, psychologically, age-old oil sitting there on the side for mm. absolutely ages, and you keep dunking all these different types of food, yeah. fish, chicken, you know, into the oil, and it, comes, it just sort of, to me, <laughs> My feels el- unclean. <laughs>
1: My eldest lad put some cheese in it the other day, and it just disappeared. I was like... <laughs> The cheese cone. into like, the, the fat yeah like so you know we've got cheesy chips every time we cook them because
0: you'd need to cover that in a batter mm. to protect it
1: uh, I think so yeah or some flour or something like that yeah. and that's what they're saying the flour the batter the sugar all of that stuff is what um, is addition uh, to uh, making fried food unhealthy is largely mm. the flour the mm. batter or the, the eggs and stuff like that well there was one other thing I mean it takes 23 minutes to cook some chips in an oven it takes 3 minutes to cook it in a deep fat fry do you think there is an argument there for saving the planet by cooking your chips in a deep fat fryer rather than in an oven? Uh, good, okay, that was it. If you're interested in buying my deep fat fryer, I think it was it was made by something called Logic, and you can get it at Argos and Currys and all that, and it's 19.99. Out and of 10? I would highly recommend it. Well, for making like unhealthy food, <laughs> like <laughs> nine out of ten. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. I had a chicken Kiev last night, which I did in the oven. I had chips and peas with it, and I did the chips in, the, in the, the deep fat fryer. I mean, it was brilliant. But, you know, I'm not going to do it too often.
0: I want to talk about something that we've both watched. Oh, my God, I'm excited. Don't fuck with cats.
1: Can we say fuck? We've never swore on this podcast before.
0: Um, it's a, it's a programme title. I think we can. Yeah, I mean, it would be starred, annoying to it? say it F, F star, 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 K. star. Well, let's just say it once. Let's say it both together.
1: Don't, Don't wh- fuck with cats. Oh, I just
0: fu- I fucked that up. Oh, no, I said <laughs> it again. Okay, stop. Don't, Don't fuck, fuck with, with cats. cats. Done. We're not going to say that word again.
1: The internet is boundless. There's the happy places. And then there's another part of the internet. The seedy underbelly.
0: I was on Facebook one day. And I found this video. I pressed play.
1: It was the worst video I've ever seen. It needs to be stopped immediately. People went nuts.
0: So we started looking. He could have been anywhere on the planet. So this this series, um, it was making a lot of noise. Mm. Everybody was talking about it. My kids were talking about it. It was one of those ones that felt like it suddenly just exploded because the storyline of this documentary was so horrific. And I I seem to remember hearing a little bit about it, but I never saw Mm -hmm. the footage that was posted online. Mm -hmm. It's the story of um, Luca Magnotta and um, some vigilantes that tried to track him down. And he started by posting something where he hurt some kittens, I'm not gonna give too much away there, Mm -hmm. Um, online. And these sort of online vigilantes, that's what they turned into, wasn't it? decided that they were going to track him down. But what's so fabulous about these online vigilantes who came together as a tribe from all different corners of um, the North America, the, wor- well, yeah. the world, it was, Britain, everywhere, Canada, to try and track down this guy. I thought we need more people like this in the police. Mm. They're detective work was so on point when they looked at the picture they were looking at plug sockets they were looking at and when he posted a picture of himself online they were looking at stop signs and Mm. um anything that they could use to identify where he was they
1: identified the traffic lights the shape of the traffic lights and where that might be yeah
0: and then Mm. what they did which i can't imagine any police force ever doing they went on google maps and two of them systematically went down every single street mm. um, in Mon- Montreal, was it? I think Montreal. it was Montreal. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and went down every single street looking for the set of stairs that he was standing on and they found it. Yeah. It, it by was, Google Maps.
1: Yeah, it was a brilliant bit of investigative oh. work by, uh, by those lot.
0: But even just working out what country he's in from the plug <clears throat> sockets or um, hearing voices in the background and going over it mm-hmm. and over it and over it again. And this idea that anybody that tortures animals shows signs of being a um, possible serial psychopath killer or and psychopath yeah, yeah. who has absolutely no feelings or, and mm. any disres- any regard for life whatsoever. Mm. And in fact, after they'd seen this cat killing, which the whole point of the title was, you know you can do pretty much anything on the internet and the internet has a very dark place. Like mm-hmm. most people love researching funny videos or um, information, but there's also a very dark side to the web and that, mm. that was it.
1: Mm. This was on the, the, my Netflix suggestions for quite mm. a while and I kept putting it off. I'm not a big fan of cats. I don't I don't necessarily want a cat. And I, you know, I get a bit irritated by cat videos uh, mainly because like, they clog up my YouTube stream of something interesting I might want to watch. I mean, they're very nice and everything, but I'm not a cat person. You're not a cat person. So I, I really didn't care about the, the documentary that much. And every time it was suggested to me, I thought, oh, I'm not going to watch it because I'm not really bothered about cats and I'm not sure I'd engage with it that much.
0: What made you watch it? Uh,
1: I went up north to see some friends for a weekend and a mate of mine said, it's not about cats. You've got to watch it. Yeah, it's, it's a about, misleading. It's about something else. Yeah. And I was like, oh, really? He said, you've got to watch it. I don't want to harm a cat and I don't want to see a cat harmed. I don't want to see any animal harmed. So... The idea I was going to watch this thing and see somebody harm a cat was like, why am I going to do that to myself? You know, so I was putting it off and putting it off. Um, but I thought it was very tastefully done because you don't see really what happens to the cats, thankfully. It
0: would be too much.
1: They do this very clever thing that was done by Werner Herzog first in Grizzly Man, which is they get somebody to watch the footage and you get to watch yes. them watching it. Yes. And you get to hear it, but you don't get to see it. And it's a really powerful way of exposing you to something horrible without you being kind of suffering from PTSD or something from it, because the video must have been awful to watch.
0: What I find... um Found interesting, and I, again, I don't want to give too much away. But um, when they were discussing hurting a human, mm-hmm. they were talking about this in in a, a very sad way, in a very respectful way. And there was a female police officer, and she was talking about it, and also um, yeah. Dina, but Body Body Movean—that's what yeah. she calls herself. And they were talking about the person mm. and, you know, very respectful and moved and everything. But when they talked about the other animal yeah. um, that suffered, both of them cried. Yeah. Because there is something about a helpless animal and the sound that it makes. Mm. And it just wants to be loved and looked after. And yet you know that these are the hands of a monster yeah. and something really terrible is going to happen. It's unbearable.
1: Mm. I think one of the very, really frustrating things about it for those vigilante types was that they were giving the police this information. And the police didn't, I guess they didn't really believe them. It was it was a problem that they didn't really want. or And it was really difficult, I guess. If you're going to the police w- with some information, there's this big problem of how much do the police believe you? How much do they have to believe you? How kind of crazy are you coming to them with this, this evidence or this and they tend to ignore it really and i think that's a deeply frustrating bit of the whole documentary i think is it's it like i guess nobody listening of, to them you know
0: one part of canada and the police there did believe them and they they forged quite a good relationship mm-hmm. with the police in one part yeah. of canada but then when he committed another crime in another part of canada completely different jurisdiction completely different mm. police force and then they were nobodies. Yeah. and suddenly they were getting all these phone calls and they were just, they, they couldn't be heard mm. above the noise. It was frightening how he was kind of goading them. Mm. And the director was this guy called Mark Lewis. And um, he said that uh, it did, this didn't actually make it onto the documentary. But at one point, he was talking to Bodhi. Yeah. And uh, she got a message, and she suspected that it was from Luca. And it was a quote from Nietzsche. Oh, yeah. How weird is this? Nietzsche's everywhere. And it said, whoever fights monsters should see to it in the process he does not become a monster. And if you gaze long enough into an abyss, the abyss will gaze back at you. (laughs) So basically it's saying that they had spent so much time, Mm -hmm. so involved, and they were literally immersed in his life that they too had become monsters.
1: Yeah, and there's a great question that Bodhi asks herself in the end is that maybe they drove him... To it, that they became his audience and he needed to perform for them um, that they became complicit in the whole thing mm. and you wonder whether had he just been left to his own devices and that they hadn't engaged with him in the way they did that he might not Would have gone, gone on, on to, to mm. do it at all or they might, he might have been caught doing something else at some other point point. Mm. Uh, and it is a really interesting question I think that they probably do need to ask themselves
0: I also found mm. and I don't want to talk too much about it but I found his mother yeah. The mother, the idea that mm. she could blindly just not look at any of this sort of evidence yeah. or this absolute kind of proof that's put down in front of her yeah. um, and see any of it. And then the twists at the end to do with his likes and dislikes and mm-hmm. how big a part they played on his crimes, it was mm. gripping.
1: Now, there is a common link between this documentary and me that we have yet to yes. talk about. which but is... we don't want to give too much away. Okay. Well, should we just leave that as a cliffhanger? Yes, but there is um, there is a link between me and this documentary. It's tenuous, but it's there nonetheless.
0: I don't think it's that tenuous.
1: No, it's not me. By the way, <laughs> I didn't do it. Um, Let's yeah.
0: see if you find it.
1: Yeah. Um, so definitely go and watch it. It's only three one hours, mm-hmm. so it's not on. It's not like a massive commitment, but it is a brilliant insight into the mind of a very odd human being. Well, when you see video
0: footage of him, Mm. um, and he wants to be a model, and Mm. he's, you know, parading around, and, I mean, you can see narcissistic, you can see he's, you know, clearly kind of confident and everything, but nothing is screaming...
1: Murder. Murder. No. Have we just given it away?
0: I don't think so.
1: (laughs) On the subject of TV... I watched The Trial of Christine Keeler.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm an ordinary sort of person. A naive little girl with more power than I ever could have dreamed of. I've never longed for the spotlight, but somehow the spotlight found me. And I met John Perfumer. Don't you look Just hold on. You can have a lovely life
1: as long as you stick to the big rule. Don't tell this is serious you stupid little girl what have you said to the papers I've always been quite fascinated by this because I did a photo shoot with Ulrika Johnson in the house that her that Christine Keeler and Mr Profumo did it in I can't remember what it's called Clevedon? Clevedon
0: house Clifton
1: yeah Clifton Clifton
0: Cliveden, Cliveden. I think There's it's a v Cliveden. isn't there isn't it C L I V So I
1: shot in the room that they they'd, they'd uh, done um, they'd done it in <laughs> thick of a word to (laughs) describe it Um, so I'd always been quite interested in the story and then I watched Scandal I think was uh, was the film that was made about it and then obviously this came about my dad rang me and said you've got to watch Christine Keeler so it's on the iPlayer at the moment I don't know how long it's on there for maybe another month I think it's six one hours so it's quite a lot uh, to go at it's a really interesting drama about that whole affair it's called The Trial of Christine Keeler but actually it's about the trial of Stephen Ward so I don't know if you know much about the story, but Stephen Ward was this a kind of handler, if you like, for the young, attractive women. He let them live with him and he treated them very, very nicely. He was very kind to them, would give them money if they needed to. But he had a very kind of good relationship with a lot of high profile people. Obviously, there's an episode of The Crown where Stephen Ward treats, I think, Prince Philip for a back problem. So Stephen Ward's a doctor, an osteopath, I think, uh, and he treats a lot of politicians and high, highfalutin people. And he introduces him to these girls. And obviously what he did one night is introduce Mr. Perfumo to uh, Christine Keeler. And they went on to have an affair, which completely ruined um, Mr. Profumo's um, career. But also kind of opened the floodgates, really, to the whole sexual revolution of the 60s. And I think what's interesting about it is that it, it, it covers kind of 1961 to 1963 and obviously, it was a huge story, a global story that, uh, you know, the, war, the minister for war at that time in the height of the Cold War was having an affair with what was deemed to be a prostitute. Whereas I think if this had happened six or seven years later, I don't think it would have made the headlines in the same way. Because, was she paid? Well, th- this is where it's a bit of a grey area. So um, Stephen Ward would occasionally give her money and she took money to give to her mum to pay the rent on her mum's house. The question mark is whether Stephen Ward was paying her to sleep with these people or whether he was just giving her... But Profumo wouldn't pay her. But he did give her money from time to time to help with, uh, again, her mum needed rent uh, and, and stuff like that. But
0: Was she only sleeping with Profumo?
1: No, I think she'd slept with a couple of other people, but she she appeared to be in a relationship with Profumo that, that seemed more loving and less sex.
0: And was it the secrets that... They were worried about that. In some way, she'd broken the Official Secrets Act, or well,
1: something. One of the problems is Stephen Ward's friend uh, was um, a naval attaché from the Russian embassy, and there was this question whether the Russian attaché fella was uh, somehow a spy, either a double spy, or whether he was working for the British government or not, and what Christine Keeler was learning because they were socialising a lot. So it was this idea that she knew stuff that could bring down the British government and uh, the collapse of that uh, Conservative government. And that is what happened uh, after Profumo lost his job. Um, um, There was a general election and and Labour got into power. And they were essentially saying that this played a considerable part in, in the Conservatives losing power at that time. So there's a lot of funny little subplots all running through it at the same time. It's brilliantly acted. There's some great people in it. The girl who plays Christine Keeler is gorgeous. Who is it? And is it Sophie Cookson? A girl called Sophie Cookson. And Ben Miles plays John Profumo, who you will so, recognise. Um, but, but
0: not names that you'd instantly no. necessarily recognise. I mean,
1: John Profumo is a very unattractive person. So his power is really his attraction. Um, But his wife in it is played by Amelia Fox, who's also really good. And they're a brilliant pairing. um, Oh, and Profimo was married. Yeah, yeah, he was was married with kids. uh, And and had clearly had other affairs, because she was essentially saying to him, I can't forgive you another. And he said, well, you won't have to, because, you know, it's not what I've done. And then he lied in Parliament, which is essentially like lying under oath. Yeah. Mm. It's a really good, uh, well-made BBC drama, and I would I, I would highly recommend it. But it, it's it's more about Stephen Ward than anything else, and he seems like a genuinely lovely guy. Mm. And, and most people know the story anyway, that Stephen Ward uh, kills himself at the end. Um, there's a big question about whether MI5 forced him to kill himself uh, or not, That entered into his flat, because Stephen Ward was about to take the stand, I think, and he would have and could have answered questions that would have exposed the government. Well, wouldn't
0: that mean that maybe he was murdered?
1: Oh, it could definitely mean that. And if you read various articles on it, most people say, look, it's a slightly ridiculous conspiracy theory that he was. It's highly likely he just killed himself. Mm. But I think he took these barbiturates, which forced him into a terrible state, and then he went into hospital and died three days later, I think I read. So it, it sounded like a fairly horrible situation he was in. There is a little bit of crossover in the Jeffrey Epstein situation as well, that he was this facilitator for very powerful men to have sex with young women. And Stephen Ward seen the same, although you can't help but quite like Stephen Ward. He seems like a genuinely nice guy. Whether he was or not, I've literally no idea. But certainly in this drama, you do feel deep, deeply sorry for him. I don't know whether they've just portrayed it that way or whether he was like that or what. I don't know. But it's worth a watch. So give it a go.
0: I think the unbelievable thing is that the Christine Keeler story still lives on. It's such a strong Mm. story. They've made films of it. It was in The Crown. Now this. There's just... It's an enduring... And her name, it's a bit like Monica Lewinsky. We will never, ever forget Christine Killer's name. And how old was she? she 19? 18?
1: I mean, so young. I think she was very young. To cause such an enormous stir
0: and change in politics. And the same with Monica Lewinsky. It was the downfall of one of the greatest presidents.
1: I think changed journalism as well. Certainly kind of the red-top journalism. Like, I think they started rooting through bins and all sorts of stuff. Whether it had been doing that before or not, but it Mm. feels like the birthplace of all of that Mm. stuff. Uh, Was quite amazing. You do feel deeply sorry for what happened to her because you get the feeling, certainly from this and other things I've read, is that her heart was in the right place and, you know, she was trying to just get by really uh, under this kind of oppressive system that she was trapped in. She couldn't seem to break through and she was being controlled and manipulated by lots of men. But when she got power, I mean, she absolutely leveraged it, you know. It's really good. Um, so, the actors, the uh, girl playing Christine Keeler is Sophie Cookston. Um, and she's gorgeous. I mean, she just looks fantastic in it, yeah. The guy playing John Profumo is Ben Miles. He was and, in The
0: Crown. Was he? Yeah, he was um, Margaret's uh, first love, Peter, Peter Townsend. Oh, right. Peter Townsend. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's unrecognizable
1: in this because I've seen him in a few other things, but they've got like a bold cap on him and a wig over the top of that to make him look thinning. He's so unattractive. He's very
0: versatile. Oh, completely. You know, he must look completely different for you to have not recognised him.
1: Um, But Stephen Ward is played by James Norton. Mm. He's a very handsome chap and everyone's talking about he's going to be the next Bond and all of that stuff.
0: He's said categorically he's not.
1: Yes, I can imagine. Mm. But um, he'd be a very good candidate for that. But he's really good as Stephen Ward and he's not like the Stephen Ward you've seen in anything else. He's... He's a completely different character. So he is superb in it, I would say.
0: So I have watched The Crown. Yes. Because you told me to watch that. And obviously, I mean, I I feel very, very late to the party and I feel like everybody that's listening will be saying, well, of course, we've all heard it. But since I talked about it a little bit on Instagram and Mm -hmm. Twitter and saying that I was very late to the party, etc., I've had other people saying, oh, I wasn't going to watch it, but I've started now. Because mm-hmm. I think also what happens is if you feel that you are so late to the party and now we're on to another queen, we're on to Olivia Colman, yeah. that once you're that late to the party, what's the point in going? Yeah. You know, you've missed it. There's always a and point
1: in going to a party.
0: At that time, everybody's talking about Claire Foy and, oh my gosh, she's so amazing and isn't all the acting so fabulous and then you think, oh God, I've I've got Adam's nothing both, to talk yeah. about. But I'm fully, fully enjoying it. Olivia Coleman's hard after you've had Claire Foy because they do bring slightly different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I am enjoying, but I, I needed maybe three or four episodes of Olivia Coleman to get into Olivia Coleman's Queen. She's very different yeah. to Claire Foy's. Claire Foy's Queen feels almost truer mm-hmm. to how I imagine the Queen to be more aloof but with such hidden feelings, but you can still see those hidden feelings. Yeah. But Olivia Coleman's slightly more open with mm. her feelings, I think,
1: it's, in her Queen. It's good, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah, hard it's amazing. To, it's hard to knock, I think. I'm um, so
0: looking forward to the future as well. I, can't, I mean... I mean, Lady Diana, Margaret yes.
1: Thatcher. Like, it's... It's going to be brilliant. They're, they're going to cap it at five series, I think I read in an article the other oh, day. Oh, are they? They were going to run for six, I think. They've decided to, to cap it at five. So I wonder
0: if, who they're talking to.
1: What I love about it is the way that they essentially take a piece of history, a story that centred around something real that happened, and then use the royal Traumatize family to it. tell you that story. So I can imagine that maybe Prince Philip probably didn't go to see Stephen Ward for a back problem, but it was worth putting that in there to, to bring in that Christine Keeler episode.
0: But that's and the danger of The Crown, Yes, that it could... that it sh- that mixes history with, with fiction, fiction. Mm. and when you just said that, I was like, "Oh, did he not go and see Stephen? Maybe Ward he for did that problem. Maybe he didn't. But this is yeah. a nightmare because mm. I'm thinking that's how they met. Mm. This is fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and know. then you'll go
1: on to tell people that, and then that. Yeah, will and then it becomes the fact. Yeah,
0: but actually, it's not true. I mean, is that frustrating for the Queen?
1: It could be, couldn't it? You'd you think you should want to tweet something and say, my husband never <laughs> went to see Stephen Ward. so can we Imagine just if just the Queen
0: that? did a Trump and started just taking to, to Oh, my God. You just said so the good. Queen
1: did a Trump. I mean, that's what was funny about Oh, my God, I didn't even realise
0: Trump now has stopped meaning guff. I
1: know, I know. It'll never stop meaning guff uh, to me. I mean, if you got a part in The Crown and you're a young actor... Yeah, you've made a, it. ...there's a strong possibility you're going to go and have a mm. fabulous career.
0: I'm also rather loving Princess Anne. I do feel like they've got her character down, Princess Anne. Yeah, that she's she's always got the slightly high ponytail, the sort of slightly oh, quick yes. ponytail, which was so her hairdo. It, yeah. I remember that hairdo so well. I
1: get Margaret and Anne mixed up. I know exactly who you mean. She's brilliant. She's
0: she? really good. Yeah. Bit naughty, bit impish. Mm-hmm. I've met Princess Anne a few times, and um, it did feel that that is exactly mm. who she is. Yeah, she's she doesn't suffer fools gladly. She's very clever. She's brilliant.
1: So uh, we often ask people to send in uh, things for us to review and we have had an email from not, a lady.
0: I'm not going to lie, it's quite exciting. It's
1: very exciting, isn't it? Called Liz Ogle or Ogle. I'm not sure how you would bo- uh, pronounce that. But Liz, we are very grateful for this. So she says, my suggestion for a review would be the best chocolate bar in the world.
0: That's a big claim. It's
1: de- well, it's deadly for you because you don't eat chocolate.
0: I do not eat chocolate. Okay. and, I've, and, and no, for I for No, a- I did eat chocolate. Okay. I was completely addicted to chocolate. This is like You're clean giving um, a heroin addict a little piece of heroin. It's, this is very bad. Yeah, okay,
1: but you're going to try a little bit, aren't you? I am going to try, but I'm only
0: going to try a little
1: bit. Okay, Liz, don't worry. I will be here to make sure she does that. Um, It's called Twin Peaks. Now, this is a brilliant name for it. It's like a Toblerone, but nicer. What? What? Like, how can it be nicer than a Toblerone, the world's greatest chocolate bar? You are
0: Toblerone man, though, aren't
1: you? I am the Toblerone man. Yeah, like you know, like there's the milk tray man. Mm -hmm. I'm the Toblerone man. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's made in Birmingham. Um, what made you know, laugh there? Well, I don't know. I just feel like um, th- there's two places in 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 the in the United Kingdom that makes me laugh. One's Birmingham and one's Dundee. Um, and Dundee, you're ma- from Dundee. I'm, I'm kind of from Dundee, yes. And um, the uh, the Tunnocks caramel wafer is made in Dundee, of course. My other favourite chocolate bar. So they often say Dundee is the Birmingham of Scotland. That's why that makes me laugh uh, a little bit. Uh, It comes from Birmingham, and it comes in seven different flavours. All delicious, but the original and the best is milk chocolate flavour. It comes in a whopping 180-gram bar.
0: the size of this bar. It is enormous.
1: And it's only one pound. What? And guess where you buy it.
0: The pound store? Poundland. I love it.
1: 99p stores, screwed. They can't get Twin Peaks, right?
0: So can I just ask you something? Why do we not see these in newsagents? Is that the only place you can buy it? Well, maybe there's
1: a deal. There might be an exclusivity deal with Poundland and Twin Peaks from Birmingham. That, that, and I'd just like to big Reagan. up Birmingham.
0: Oh well, yeah, I've been yeah. to Birmingham. I love Birmingham.
1: It is quite literally the centre of Britain. It's the
0: centre of the Britain.
1: epicentre of Britain. I
0: cycled I, through it on that, my challenge and they Birmingham. were so nice to me. Oh, uh, were they? Yeah,
1: yeah they're lovely, lovely people. So, uh, Twin Peaks is from there. We've got two bars with us here. Now, I've got a dark chocolate and you've got the what?
0: Um, I've got cookies and cream. I definitely got the um, better end of the deal. She, she <gasps> did Look, it's like a Toblerone.
1: <sighs> she, hang on a, a sec, though. She did say the milk chocolate. Yeah, we couldn't get a oh, milk chocolate. We couldn't get a milk, did, chocolate. So we a milk chocolate. So we've got a dark one.
0: So we're, we're one. basically eating the sort of next best thing to mm. the best thing. Now, um which funny shape that, isn't it? The top of it.
1: Now I would I would have thought that the intellectual property of Toblerone is on the cusp <laughs> of being infringed <laughs> here. Look at that. Toblerone are like, can we sue? Can't we sue? <laughs> what is the angle of the peaks on Twin Peaks? Oh my. <laughs> okay. Ah, oh jeez. Oh, oh wow. That's so okay. true. There you go. We need a photo of the inside. I don't know what those bits are, but they look good to me.
0: And I've got bits too.
1: Mm-hmm. There's a negative. That's kind of the, the
0: cookies and the cream okay. in my bits.
1: So I'm going to eat your whole chunk, all right? Oh,
0: this is so hard. Okay, it's hard to bite into, right?
1: Even with these teeth. And? Mm. Wow, yeah. I mean, if that was wrapped in, a, in in some kind of gold leaf and sold in Switzerland, you'd pay a tenner for it.
0: Does it really taste that good?
1: It tastes lovely. It's dark chocolate with lovely nice nougat bits in it. Okay, dark chocolate with almond and honey nougat. Nougat? Nougat? Nougat. N- nougat. You don't pronounce a T. I mean, this is a discussion for another podcast because you tell me to pronounce some letters and not others. You don't let me say tuna nissoir. You make me pronounce the S.
0: Because there's an E on the end.
1: But there's a T here. But you don't let me pronounce the T? <laughs> nougat. Nougat. Okay. This is it's a conversation for another time. This is really good. <laughs> I need to try the white one. Do you want to try the black one? This, yeah. You can just buy that chip.
0: Unbelievably good. Is it? Yeah.
1: You haven't had chocolate for a long time though, have <laughs> This is like Oh my god. It's like that bit in uh, train spotting when <laughs> you and McGregor gets to have another blast, one final blast on the old H-bomb. Okay. I've just got to let the palate cleanse oh, slightly. Oh my god, that is
0: so sweet. Water. Mm. It's phenomenally sweet. Oh.
1: My teeth are struggling a bit.
0: I've never liked dark chocolate.
1: Really? I thought you said you did like dark chocolate. No, it's too bitter. Um, Well, I don't know whether it's because you tried that one first and then went to that one because I don't like the cookies and cream one. It's too sweet. The dark one's lovely. This
0: is why I'm addicted to chocolate and you're not.
1: Mm. Well, you just like the sweet stuff.
0: Yeah, just give it to me. Mm.
1: I would definitely sit down with a Twin Peaks and a little glass of wine and a movie and really enjoy that. I I think for a pound...
0: it's, it's outrageous. It's very, very, very good value, right? I'm going to say I need to take a slight stand on this. Okay. I am going to give it more than five because I think it is mm. um, very good value. But I, I slightly disagree in the size of the bar. The idea that a person yeah. might go and eat all of it. All of it mm. It's a bit lethal. Mm. So I will give it a six.
1: I'd go for the white. I'm going to give it five out of ten. For the dark, I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Wow! I think it's really good.
0: Thank you very much. And I've never heard of it before. And I, yeah. I felt like I knew every piece of British confectionery there was. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for introducing us to a new chocolate.
1: Congratulations, Birmingham!
0: So if you've got any ideas of anything that you'd like us to try, see, watch, feel, touch, learn, anything that you want us to review, just message us on the Instagram on our Instagram account. So it's making the cut um, podcast. That's where you can find us.